When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome to the 85th episode of the What If Football podcast. We've done a lot of obscure football, we've done a lot of inobscure football with the Champions League. Now it's back to our bread and butter, the Barclays, the Premier League, and one of the greatest seasons, at least in my mind, my biased mind, the 1998-99 season. Will Arsenal retain? Absolutely not. Let's get stuck in. But before we get into the intricacies of any Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, three-way pronged battle for the Premier League, let's start with David Unsworth. Curious way to start things, I know, but his transfer business in the summer of 1998 was curious in of itself. He moved from West Ham to Aston Villa, didn't play a game for the Villa, then signed for Everton for the same £3 million. Crazy days. Anyway, Aston Villa were very busy aside from housing players for just a month and then shipping on. They signed the likes of Alan Thompson, Paul Merce and Steve Watson all using the money from, of course, Dwight York's sale for £17 million. Now, Dion Dublin would sign later on in the summer, uh, later on in the season rather, to become the uh, Trinidadians' uh, replacement ultimately at Villa Park. And this comes after United really on the offensive here. Spunked £15 million on Yapstam, bought um, Jesper Blomqvist as well. But this comes after sales of Gary Pallister, of course Steve Bruce come, uh, got sold a um, couple of seasons back now as well. Anyway, aside from those, the only other transfer above £10 million in the Premier League was, believe it or not, 
Kevin Davies, Southampton to Blackburn, which uh, curious in 1998 anyway. Uh, Southampton cashed him in for the likes of James Beattie and Stuart Ripley, who would have uh, a decent enough effect at the uh, at the Dell, as it still was then, and uh, St. Mary's as well. Blackburn, they continued spending big as well. Christian Daly was also brought in. They'd have a, a minus £12 million net, but even that was... Well, even that was not as bad as Everton's, which um, at minus 25 million shows that even despite numerous owners, numerous managers and numerous decades, still not learned their, um, still not learned their lessons. Unsworth, of course, is what we mentioned earlier. And Marco Matarazzi, Ibrahima Bakayoko, someone's played championship manager. Olivier Decor, Simonson, John Collins. How many worked? One, Unsworth, maybe. Decor, maybe, but he, he would go to Leeds fairly quickly. Um, you've got Frank Sinclair joining uh, Leicester. Bit of a catastrophic start with a few own goals in there. Lots of uh, lots of clubs, mainly like your West Ham's, your Sheffield Wednesdays, your mid-table clubs tightening their belts after spending big in the 90s. Even Newcastle are tightening their belts. Only £3 million they would spend. Haman and Solano and... Uh, French World Cup star Stefan Givach um, famously scored zero goals at the World Cup. Um, but they had also sold your likes of John Dal Thomason, Watson, Aspria as well. Middlesbrough in their return to the Premier League had gone hard. Brian Dean, Colin Cooper, Gary Pallister, Marco Branca as well through the door. But to counteract that, they'd sold £11 million worth of Paul Merson and Emerson as well. Chelsea had one of the biggest spends, typically Pierre-Luigi Casaraghi, Marcel Desailly, Albert Ferrer, Brian Laudrup. Some would work for various reasons, some wouldn't famously. Um, Arsene Wenger continued to evolve his team. Freddie Lundberg was in, Ian Wright was out. Ian Wright going to West Ham, joining Razor Ruddock, of course. Charlton added experience their first season back in the big time. They added Neil Redfern and Chris Powell. Tottenham didn't spend a penny, but had the likes of Ledley King and Peter Crouch coming through the academy. More on them in months to come. Liverpool signed some legends. Sean Dundee, Vegard Hegem, Steve Staunton, but none, none more important than the academy promotion of one, yes, Steven Gerrard. And on Merseyside, it was all change. Over there on the blue half, Goodison Park, across Stanley Park, Howard Kendall was gone, Walter Smith was in. Meanwhile, Liverpool added Gerard Houllier as a co-manager alongside Roy Evans. We'll see how long that works out for, shall we? Meanwhile, Danny Wilson had made the incredibly long trip from relegated Barnsley to Hillsborough, Sheffield Wednesday, which is about 15 miles. It's in the same postcode anyway. That's, that's that, really. And... Uh, we might as well include them here, but early um, early sackings include Tottenham's Christian Gross, Newcastle's Kenny Dalglish, who wouldn't see out the first two months. They would be replaced by Rude Hullett, and after some legal wrangling with Leeds, George Graham, which leads, leaves Leeds, George Graham, needing to be filled, and uh, more on that one later. We'll get into the season from August to May after this short break. Welcome back. The season starts really as it ended the last time, really. Arsenal successful over Manchester United, but in the charity shield. Um, it gets worse for Manchester United, really, as we go through August. They draw late on against Leicester City, needing a uh, 
a David Beckham late free kick and they draw nil-nil at Upton Park where David Beckham would receive the first of many vitriolic welcomes on an away day which uh, I think he's answered the critics by the end of the season but we'll we'll, uh, check in at numerous times. Elsewhere on the opening weekend you've got Coventry stunning Chelsea with uh, with Huckabee's, Darren Huckabee's incredible lob. You've got Ian Wright scoring the winner for West Ham on his debut at Hillsbury. You've got Michael Owen carrying on that superb World Cup form with the winner at the Dell. Arsenal beat new boys Forrest, who were out. Uh, Pierre Van Hoydonk, who performed really well in the first division, but had gone on strike over the summer. He not coming back, apparently. He will do. Meanwhile, Charlton's last top flight game at the Valley was a 2-1 loss in April 1990. Their next one was a 5-0 thrashing against Southampton on the second match day in 1998. Meanwhile, you've got Michael Owen iconically celebrating by rubbing his hands together with a hat-trick at St. James's Park and already is becoming one of the greatest um, young stars in English football and in the Premier League, of course. And Liverpool share top spot with Aston Villa going into September. Manchester United... September wasn't great either. They uh, really suffering the hangover from losing the Premier League to Arsene Wenger and Arsenal. They won three, drew two and won one. The first match saved by a Beckham free kick, of course. They would lose at Highbury 3-0 and uh, Dwight York finally made his debut in a thrashing of Charlton Athletic in a 4-1 win. But even in that game, United have to come from behind. Meanwhile, Arsenal, they've not really had a great start either. Drawn four, won two, and lost the the famous game at Hillsborough, where it will not be remembered for Sheffield Wednesday for Arsenal. It will be remembered for Paolo Di Canio, for uh, Paul Alcock, the referee. Di Canio kicks and chokes Martin Keogh, and he goes for Nigel Winterburn, who absolutely bricks it, doesn't he? <laughs> One of the funniest parts of the old movement. But to me, his push on Alcock, it didn't really warrant him going down to the floor. I guess it caught him unawares, but he barely a shoving it but um rightly gets suspended for a while and uh that would be unsurprisingly his last game for uh, Sheffield Wednesday not the last we'll hear of Paolo Di Canio though in this episode Chelsea rebound well from their opening day defeat uh, they've not lost since they won 4-3 at Ewood Park which um slight refereeing controversies if you're Roy Hodgson in the Blackburn hot seat but to me game of the season without a doubt in respects of stories title races relegation races etc standalone game game of the season for me 4-3 win for Chelsea at Ewood Park Aston Villa after losing Dwight York they've been juggling the early rounds of the UEFA Cup quite well only conceded two goals in the first seven games they're top of the pile by five points after seven games got 17 points on the board there Leeds continued undefeated start but ultimately they, they draw too many games they've drawn five of their first seven um including that the 3-3 draw against Spurs, which um, the majority of the focus of was on George Graham before he, of course, left for Spurs, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, Open secret confirmed. And obviously, David O'Leary would join and um, probably more so on him um, in a couple of episodes' time in terms of the Barclays. Not so much to uh, speak of in terms of David O'Leary and Leeds in particular on this year. Uh, Meanwhile, Liverpool... First few weeks, near perfect, really. Um, but they, since winning at Coventry, they've lost twice. Lost a crucial game at Old Trafford where Paul Scholes scored an absolute belter and then conceded three at home to Charlton, um, a game which was supposed to mark the uh, 
the celebration of Robbie Fowler's return from injury, but uh, regardless, they're out of the out of the top six. Meanwhile, Newcastle, Man United occupy fifth and sixth. Derby, Wimbledon, West Ham, the surprising front runners behind Aston Villa on seventeen, who themselves are surprising as well, to be honest. And the bottom six is made up of Everton, Forest, Leicester, Blackburn, Coventry, and Southampton. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Leicester's bad start compounded, really, in an East Midlands derby where Paul, Paolo Wanchop a team at the other end of the table, Derby County, they win the Derby. And um, the second place going into October, and they've had quite a surprising um, rise to the summit of English football. Not unlike their um, rise in the early 70s, of course, it wouldn't end the same way, of course. There wouldn't be no league title, there would be no Juventus semi-final in the Champions League. But regardless, Derby had a phenomenal start to life back in the top flight. A team that probably had their famous win against Manchester United. They finally hit some good form in October, going well in the Champions League as well, playing the likes of Bayern Munich and Barcelona. They dropped just two points in October, one one draw at Pride Park, which goes to show that um, Derby always tended to have uh, United's number, especially at Pride Park as well. United needed uh, a late goal from Jordi Cruyff there. Um, meanwhile, up front for United, a uh, partnership of Dwight York and Andy Cole comes alive at the Dell, combined to deadly effect in a routine win there. Arsenal, likewise, have been much better. They only dropped points at home to Southampton. Should have really been 12 points from 12, but they are just one point behind Man United on 17 points. Aston Villa still top. Aston Villa still undefeated, although they couldn't win at Upton Park or at home to Leicester when they probably ought to have done but still 22 points from 10 games an incredible return for Villa Chelsea likewise they're, they're on a decent enough undefeated streak um, not lost since that Coventry game they had to go to Anfield and Elland Road in this run as well um, and that Anfield game probably <laughs> probably more iconic for the uh, wince inducing Pierluigi Casaragi goal not for any you know lack of quality in the goal but for the the sheer determination of Phil Bab to uh, get on the end of the uh, the block and um, if you don't know it's probably best if you continue not to know <laughs> but if you want to seek it out it's probably there on YouTube uh, Phil Bab um, yeah let's let's move on <laughs> Leeds, they they only suffered one loss in October, but they didn't win either. They got a real problem finding the net, despite Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank um, historically really good in front of goal for Leeds. And um, they've only got 11 goals in 11 matches, six of those coming in two games. So it's, it's not really had a, 
Not really a great start for Leeds, not really got much better for Liverpool either. Draws, obviously, against Chelsea, we've discussed. And um, in the Merseyside derby, they did stick five past Forest, though, but everyone was beating Forest. Michael Owen's going four um, and followed that inconsistency by beating uh, struggling Leicester as well. Leicester, Martin O'Neill's future was very much on the line, not because he's done badly, but mainly because he's been too good for Leicester at the time. Obviously, they won the they won the League Cup in 1997. He'd taken them to the top half routinely. He's been headhunted at the minutes. Um, his future or speculation around his future came to a head. I think it was on a Monday night football. A 2-1 win against Spurs after the match. He would announce that he would uh, stay in scenes not too distant to uh, John Belfort in Wolf of Wall Street with a, a much different way of portraying that information. Meanwhile, we promised it and Pierre van Hoydonk delivers it. He's returned, but Brian Laudrup, after joining Chelsea in the summer, has already gone. Um, we're not even in November yet. And we are now. We're in November. Manchester United's undefeated run ends at Hillsborough. They've had to juggle the Champions League, but unfortunately for Man United, Peter Schmeichel couldn't juggle the Nicholas Alexanderson shot and it uh, brushes under over the line and uh, United lose 3-1. Elsewhere with the Champions League trying to retain the Premier League, trying to uh, win the FA Cup as well. United have also got the B-Sky B deal hanging over their heads. £625 million. Doesn't sound so much these days, but eye-watering in 1998. Of course, with Sky owning a lot of the coverage for the Premier League, obviously can't happen, doesn't happen. But if it would have happened, we would be looking at a very, very different landscape of English football and potentially world football at that. That's a what-if. So whilst Man United go undefeated, uh, almost go undefeated throughout November, Arsenal have hit a bit of a tricky patch. They lost at Wimbledon. They've drawn with Tottenham and Middlesbrough at home. May regret those patchy results um, come the end of the season, but they are only in fourth spot. Four points behind Aston Villa, although both Aston Villa and Man United have got a game in hand on them. And Aston Villa, their undefeated streak's gone. They shipped four goals at home to Liverpool. Defence still open, but uh, defence is open, but the attack's still good. Dion Dublin is in, and um, obviously Villa spending that Dwight York money wisely. And uh, Dublin scores two goals in his debut against Spurs in a three-two win. A team that though is still undefeated from the very, very first match day after that uh, Huckabee goal for Coventry at Highfield Road is Chelsea, and. Um, they get through the Upton Park derby against uh, against West Ham, but unfortunately, summer signing Pierluigi Casaraghi has to end his career with uh, an awful injury. And then off the back of that, Chelsea rebound just to make themselves feel better, better if anything, sticking seven goals beyond Wimbledon and Leicester. Going very, very well. Still not in the top four, though. There's a lot of draws for Chelsea as we uh, as we move into the festive period. Leeds, though, they've, they've rebounded and they're looking pretty good there. Cooking pretty well. A huge 3-1 win at Anfield. They beat Sheffield Wednesday and Charlton as well. A month marred by a loss at Old Trafford in a 3-2 win, but they gave him a good go. Young young Leeds team under David O'Leary. Paul Robinson was gifted his debut after Nigel Martin's injury as well. And for Liverpool, it's going quite well as well. Um, well, was doing until they, they shipped goals at home to Leeds, Derby, and obviously lost both of those. And I think we can probably wave bye-bye to Liverpool in terms of the title race. At this point, Gerard Houllier takes sole charge of Liverpool with Roy Evans bowing out and the 50-50 relationship. I don't think it was ever going to work, was it really? 
And in terms of the bottom half of the table, you've got Charlton and Sheffield Wednesday occupying that bottom six. You've got Coventry, perennial Elliot there, and Nottingham Forest. Southampton and Blackburn. Blackburn on nine points after 15 games ushers the end of Roy Hodgson's spell as manager of the club with Manchester United assistant Brian Kidd taking over as we move into December. And the club that Brian Kidd left behind, Manchester United, envisaged a really poor December, really, when Man United tend to pick up results again and again and again when the games come thick and fast. They progressed out of the Champions League just in the group's phase, but then three draws on the spin, your Villas, your Spurs, your Chelsea's, mixed with a, another loss, another loss, that's three in the uh, first few months here, at home to Middlesbrough. United are really not looking good at the minute. Um, third behind Aston Villa. They've only got 35 points from 20 games, which um, will become a stick to beat for Sir Alex Ferguson's treble winning team in years gone by in uh, on such things as Twitter and Facebook. Regardless, Arsenal, their sticky patch from last time in November has continued. They were leading Aston Villa, the league leaders, let's not forget, 2-0 at Villa Park, but then... Julian Joachim has probably the game of his life, to be honest, and they win 3-2. And um, Arsenal follow that up with a draw against Derby. But thankfully for Arsene Wenger's team, the defending champions, N99 with three wins on the spin, a 3-1 against Leeds and 1-0 wins. 1-0 to the Arsenal against West Ham and Charlton. Chelsea, strap yourselves in, still undefeated. They've played at Old Trafford too. They've played Spurs drew against Man United at home as well so Chelsea are really looking like title contenders here despite Kazaragi's injury despite the the bad karma that, that goes with potentially ruining Phil Babb's future family <laughs> but they are two points behind Aston Villa 37 points plays 39 Aston Villa had a rotten run of games as well and they've come out the end of it Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United the other parts of the top four with Leeds obviously lurking in the background there, six points behind Villa in fifth. But Villa, they could have been even better. They lost to Ewood Park. Um, Michael Oakes, the goal, they got a bit shafted with a red card handball on that one. So maybe maybe Aston Villa win the treble if uh, if that red card doesn't happen. I can't make that into a wife. So it's 1999. I was just about to turn six, if my maths is correct. Yes. I was about to turn six. Anyway, my team, I, thought, I think they would, they, might, they would have been my team at this point. ITV coverage of the Champions League plus David Beckham equals me as a lifelong Manchester United fan. And it was a good month to be a Man United fan. <laughs> they progressed in the FA Cup. They were preparing for the Champions League quarterfinal and maximum points. 11 ga- goals, three games. Manchester United beat West Ham 4-1, Leicester 6-2 and... In and amongst those thrashings, perhaps the most crucial, most pertinent to this title race, a 90th minute winner from Dwight York at the Valley. Meanwhile, Arsenal started off undefeated in 99 as well. They didn't concede either. They drew 0-0 with Liverpool and beat Nottingham Forest and Chelsea 1-0 again. That 1-0 to Arsenal continuing to the last. And Chelsea, are they still undefeated? No, they're not. They lost at Highbury. They'd uh, they'd won at St James's Park. The title push was looking credible for once, but uh, no, no. The title race, they're still in it, of course. They're only second. Still only one point behind, but the leaders now are not Aston Villa with 43 points, but 
United with 44 points. Aston Villa, they entered 99 top, but in uh, draws to Middlesbrough, loss at St. James's Park means they've tailed off. We might be about to uh, wave bye-bye to them. We are waving bye-bye to Leeds United, though. The wheels have fallen off. They've lost to Blackburn. Southampton and Newcastle, all three bottom half teams. And um, in Blackburn and Southampton there, you've got teams who are straddling the relegation zone. Everton are there or thereabouts, not safe yet. Where have we heard that one recently? Coventry in there as well. Blackburn just above the dotted line on 22 points. And you've got Southampton, Charlton and Nottingham Forest. Dave Bassett is sacked as Nottingham Forest manager after humiliation in the league followed humiliation in the third round of the FA Cup, losing at home to Portsmouth. He's replaced by Ron Atkinson, whose tenure at the uh, in Nottingham was probably probably most highlighted by the fact that he sat in the wrong dugout against Arsenal in his first game. Uh, things could only get better. They wouldn't. Um, John Hartson is acquainted to Wimbledon as a new signing by um, the lad setting his gear on fire and pushing him into a puddle. Fantastic. And Paolo Di Canio, as promised, is back. Um, he's at West Ham United after his long spell on the sidelines and uh, the time when Sky Sports sent a roving reporter to Italy to uh, try and get him to come back. God knows what that were all about. Anyway... February marks the biggest game of the season thus far. It's Manchester United, it's Arsenal, it's Old Trafford. But it ends in a draw after Dwight York's missed penalty, so we were as we were. But Manchester United now have a seven-point lead over Arsenal because crucial scrappy wins over Coventry and Southampton have paired off with the uh, mammoth 8-1 win over Nottingham Forest where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sneaks in four in the last few minutes. And um, this comes about when Steve McLaren is coming in from Derby County to be his new assistant, presumably to stop Man United ever dropping points against Derby again with some crucial intel. Um, we know that would not be the case going forward. Arsenal, they've graduated from their 1-0 to the Arsenal to thrashing teams, really. 4-0 against West Ham, 5-0 against Leicester, but crucially drew against Newcastle. And with United um, maintaining the the draw against Arsenal and winning the game in hand. They are quite a way off the, uh, the title race now. Chelsea are in between on 53 points. They're nothing if but, if not resilient, grinding out the wins. Won against Liverpool in the Phil Bab derby. They won at home to Nottingham Forest and beat Southampton as well. Um, the Liverpool rematch was probably more well-known for all the stick. Graham, Lissot and Robbie Fowler were, were giving each other. Like, Lissot, let's be honest. Should have been sent off for an elbow, a um, bit Roy Keane, Jason McAteer-esque, but this one wasn't punished, unlike the Roy Keane one was. Anyway, we'll move on through uh, March. And we've got teams undefeated in 99. Manchester United still undefeated in 99. They won both games. We've still got to the uh, Champions League as well. The Inter Milan games have come thick and fast, and they're still on for that treble. And Arsenal, they're still undefeated in 1999 as well. Nine points from nine, not conceding again as well. Superb defensive team, but um, those thrashings have given away for uh, slender, more slender wins. Um, a team that aren't defeated in, undefeated in 1999, though, are Chelsea. Disappointing loss to West Ham, which, let's be honest, even though they've got a game in hand and are seven points back with eight games to go, Looks like it could be the final nail in the coffin, but this is a this is a title race that will go this way and that. Meanwhile, occupying the top seven are Aston Villa, Derby, West Ham, and Leeds. None of which have a hope in hell 
And as we move into the uh, last couple of months, we've got Coventry and Everton above the dotted line by two points. Blackburn above the dotted line by a point. And the same bottom three, Southampton, Charlton, Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest on 20 points, they have a 10-point deficit to make up, which, let's be real, isn't going to happen. They're effectively down. Charlton have a game in hand on 28 points, and if they win that, they go into the dizzying heights of 15th. So so they, they've got their fate in their own hands. Southampton, though, less so. Meanwhile, in mid-table, Joe Kinnear has had to retire through illness at Wimbledon. Uh, meanwhile, Terry Burton and Mick Harford will take co-caretakership of the role until the end of the season. And they do get <laughs> quite a scalp in April. They draw at home to Manchester United, who were coming back off games against the likes of Inter Milan against... Juventus and against Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final which dashes the hopes and dreams of an Arsenal double again. But Arsenal, they rebound quite well. They beat Wimbledon 5-1, they beat Middlesbrough 6-1 which um, is incidentally after the win against Middlesbrough the first time that Arsenal are top all season and so we see it as we leave April with Chelsea having three draws on the spin which should really have done them in in terms of the title. They're only four points back, <laughs> despite drawing three games on the bounce. That should have really kicked them off to the curb. Chelsea have got 65 points with four games to play. Manchester United have got 68 points with five games to play. And Arsenal have got 69 points with four games to play as well. Elsewhere in the news, we've got Robbie Fowler and his infamous snorting of the six-yard line there. That celebration in a 3-2 Merseyside derby win. It's also the month where... Almost the beginning of the end of Michael Owen's hamstrings. One of them goes against Leeds and uh, not quite wouldn't be the same again, but a recurrence of that would mark that off as well. Elsewhere in April, we best have a look at the relegation picture, haven't we? Everton, they were still in it, but they they began the month in the drop zone as well after four losses on the spin. Admittedly in hard games to Arsenal, Man United and Liverpool, as well as Sheffield Wednesday, but they would get their act together, their inconsistencies. Three wins after coming after four losses to the likes of Coventry, Newcastle and Charlton, and that win over Charlton confirmed their safety. Coventry likewise had spent a bit of a time in the drop zone and pulled clear with odd wins here and there. They were back in the drop zone in February after a loss at Old Trafford, but again... Wins over the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and Southampton had um, had looked to have kept them up, but uh, they'll still be looking over the shoulder. They'd uh, lost to the likes of Everton, Middlesbrough, Leicester. They're on 37 points and uh, are only five points ahead of the drop zone with three games to go, which sounds like it should be just, just enough to save um, the mighty Sky Blues. Wimbledon um, spoke about them um, losing the likes of Joe Kinnear, to illness um, as manager. They'd started the season incredibly well. It looks like it was going to be another season defying the odds. You've got John Hartson in midway through the season as well. It was, it was all going so well. Um, but obviously, Joe Kinnear leaves in March. They don't win another another game this season. They slide, they slide. They get two points from the final 11 games, but ultimately they stay up because of their own early season form, which looked to have probably put them about 9th, 10th, 11th, you know, the usual Wimbledon fair and because of others, so you're not in a forest, you're Charlton, you're Southampton's Blackburns as well, who are in worse form, if anything. Um, Southampton, they'd been in the drop zone since match day five. They only won their first game in October 
against Coventry. Um, they were reg- the season was pretty much typical Southampton. If you were to draw, if you were to write a screenplay of the most typical 90s Southampton season, it would be this, if you ramp everything up to 11. They're edging nearer and nearer and nearer to safety with wins against the likes of Leeds, Charlton, Newcastle, West Ham, Sheffield Wednesday. Then you play teams that they should beat but don't, Blackburn, potentially Derby as well, though Derby are flying high, really. Um, it's still not in their hands, really. They're outside the drop zone, they're, they're in the drop zone rather, alongside Charlton on 32 points. Blackburn have 32 points too, but crucially, they have a game in hand. Blackburn had a good bounce once Brian's, Brian Kidd came in. One loss in 10 Premier League games, they sit 16th, but then have won once since at home to Wimbledon, who, let's be honest, everyone was beating at that time. So we've essentially got three teams in it. One can survive. Blackburn, 32, with minus 13 goal difference, it has to be said. Charlton on 32, with minus 15 goal difference. Southampton on 32 points as well, with minus 32 goal difference. And Nottingham Forest, they're down. They're, they are down. They've got 11 points to recover from three games, which we know is impossible. And um, they've won two games since August. They've only drawn nine more, and they're effectively down. It's been the first time, surprisingly enough anyway, it's been the first time since 1928, since the, the winner of the second tier, either the old second division or the, the new first division, has finished bottom of the top flight. And obviously, with 11 points to 19th, that is already confirmed prior to May. The other team in that drop zone, Charlton. A superb start from Charlton, really. Led at Old Trafford. They were in the top half still in November, but then Christmas came and Alan Kirbishley's team sunk like a stone. They lost eight in a row. They're in the drop zone until a dramatic February, really, where they beat Derby and Wimbledon, even more shockingly, Liverpool. But their latest winners had them sent straight back down. They're really, really the... The marathon, not a sprint ethos, really, coming into Charlton's season here, really. They, they come off the back of one winning nine, and they're now in the drop zone, 18th, as we go into May. But, but despite Blackburn's game in hand, it could be construed that it is still in Charlton's hands because they do have to play Blackburn at home. The goal difference isn't too much of a disparity. If they do win by two goals, they're above them. they just got to look out for... Game in hand, but for Blackburn, unfortunately, that game in hand is at home to potentially prospective Premier League champions, Manchester United. Let's go to May. Let's look at Manchester United. It's looking very tetchy at the top. Uh, usually May features one or two games, if that. Here it's boiled down to four, five games for some teams, and it's very... Very nervous times for both Manchester United and Arsenal. Chelsea, they do win a couple of times. Everton, Leeds, which does confirm Champions League football, but uh, not even Arsenal could beat Leeds, we'll discuss in a minute. But then a draw at White Hart Lane, that's a title dream dead on the final week of the season, unfortunately, which which is harsh. But if you think about points tallies, and to be fair to Chelsea, it's a lot of games that they should have won, which you can say for, for Man United and Arsenal, really, to pull clear, but... In instances where Chelsea have drawn three on the spin, where one win could have kept them in the title race on the final day of the season, it was that close. You tend to think of this title race between Man United and Arsenal, but it really was Chelsea in there. They never really 
stuck in top place for a long stretch of the time. But to be fair, neither did uh, neither did Arsenal. But in the end, um, third place for Chelsea, especially with Leeds and Liverpool, Villa as well, uh, sustained push. Decent run for Chelsea and really a progression of potential title challenges for the future when in the past they've really just been a cup team with the Cup Winners' Cup, FA Cup and League Cup that they've won over the past two years, which still a hugely, hugely significant achievement and obviously probably pushed them on to do quite well. They will be in the Champions League next season. Of course, we've covered that on the grand as it keeps of weeks gone by. So let's go to the top two. Manchester United, Arsenal. David Beckham won a game against Aston Villa on his own from a free kick. They were on for the treble. They'd uh, obviously beaten Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final. They'd beaten Juventus as well. So you've got a Champions League final, an FA Cup final, and they're top in the league. But it was Anfield next. And if ever there was a team to ruin the party of a treble, it was Liverpool. United were winning 2-0, all the banners in the cup. They were seemingly not deterring them. And uh, the game spins on an absolutely shocking decision for a penalty. And to be fair, in... Uh, Watching all these episodes uh, of the Barclays back, it's probably about time that Manchester United had a, a shocker of a penalty decision go against them now in their tussles with Blackburn, with Newcastle. Decisions have gone United's way here. Goes at the wrong, exactly the wrong time and it goes against them. Paul Ince as well. <laughs> Paul Ince, 90th minute, bites the hand that used to feed him. And the door is swung wildly open for Arsenal. And that, whoever was in charge of the programming, wow. North London Derby and United and Liverpool and both United and Arsenal are in for the title. Give him a raise, or her a raise. Arsenal win in the North London Derby, 3-1. Canu scores an absolutely exquisite goal, flicks it over the defender. Wow. And it seems a turning point, really. Arsenal are then going to go on and win it. A bit like how it seemed like the Marco Mars winner at Old Trafford the previous year was the turning point and Arsenal went on to win it. But, 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 Arsenal's game in hand. 20-game unbeaten Premier League run ends at Elland Road. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, as he did do with uh, with United um, when he stopped them from winning at Elland Road the previous month. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank stops Arsenal winning and beats them in the 86th minute. So, then you've got Manchester United going to Ewood Park. A win would effectively win Manchester United, the Premier League. Of course, the uh, the goal difference is very, very similar. A draw would be enough to um, to put Manchester United into the driving seat and make the uh, goal difference be plus 42, plus 41. And with Manchester United scoring 20 more goals than Arsenal, that would be enough to give them the advantage, really, um, moving forward. And if they beat Tottenham Hotspur on the final day, and I'm sure Tottenham Hotspur really didn't want to win that game, then uh, that's step one of a potential treble in uh, the space of 10 days. Of course, it is a nil-nil draw at Ewood Park, and in the process, um, Alex Ferguson relegates Brian Kidd, his former uh, former assistant there, and Blackburn, that is, that is four years after winning the Premier League, but ultimately the sickener comes before that. A loss at home to Nottingham Forest absolutely killed them. Nottingham Forest, of course, already relegated, who finished the season with three wins on the spin. The pressure's off, let's just win every game now. It's crazy how that works, really. Um, in terms of uh, relegation, Coventry, 
get a win against Wimbledon that essentially keeps them up and uh, Norwegian with the winner there and uh, they around the season often climb quite steadily to 15th Southampton though they're left with an absolutely Herculean task and as we know now the fate of Blackburn it's essentially between Southampton and Charlton James Beatty who else pops up with vital goals in wins against Leicester and Wimbledon to take Southampton out of the drop zone for the first time since September Incredible, incredible from Southampton. And um, Charlton, we mentioned a game against Blackburn there, which um, left the onus in their hands, but it would have got them safe, but they were losing that game and they could have gone down the following week against Aston Villa as well. And it's a quite simply unforgettable goal for Charlton fans. Danny Mills scores an incredible free kick at Villa Park at the death in a 4-3 win. Takes the game to the final day, takes survival to the final day, and this is how it looks going into the final game. We've got everything to play for in the Premier League. I think for the potentially with the only exception, the Champions League final space. But aside from that, you've got the title to fight for, you've got the relegation to fight for. How often do we see where everything's just not up for grabs whatsoever? But here we are. We've got Southampton on 38 points with minus 29 goal difference, which is absolutely crucial. That goal difference, 15 worse off than Charlton on 36, means that they have to win to be absolutely sure. Because a draw against Everton at home, teamed with Charlton's win against Sheffield Wednesday, means that Charlton would be up and survive by the skin of the teeth at the first time back. Luckily, though, for Southampton, it's not James Beatty, but it's Marion Pahas. Someone tried to get him into the obscure footballer recently. Uh-uh, not a chance. He saved Southampton's skin here with two goals against Everton. And that essentially kills Charlton's uh, dreams of survival. And it is really the the fact that it doesn't go to the nail-biting final minutes that this relegation scrap really isn't as well-revered as some of the other ones. I'll, uh, Everton 1994, uh, Man City 95, etc, etc, etc. Um, but ultimately did go to the final day, as did as did the uh, Premier League title race. And for a minute there, this was a Premier League title race that was due to be settled on goals scored, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Obviously, we wouldn't get it until 2012, where the title race would be, or at least the Premier League title race. I know title races in England have gone down to goal average or goal difference before, but in terms of the Premier League, there's not been a season until 2012 where the get where the title went down to goal difference or goal scored. Um, this one could have done had Spurs beaten Manchester United and Arsenal be held by Aston Villa, and that's what the state of play was right up until the 42nd minute. Old Trafford, Les Ferdinand scores a freakish goal, silencing the Stretford end, and probably silencing uh, the Tottenham corner as well because. Tottenham was safe. They were they were already assured of Europe because they won the League Cup. They just wanted to lose. They, they, well, they didn't want to lose. They wanted Arsenal not to win the Premier League. And Arsenal would score the winning goal, Canu, in the 66th minute. But in between those Les Ferdinand and Canu goals, you got a litany of chances for Manchester United. Beckham misses chance after chance. Beckham misses chance after chance as well. Ian Walker almost settles the title by kicking it against Andy Cole's ass. <laughs> it's incredible. Or is it Dwight York? It's a, it's a pressing attacker of Man United and Ian Walker just belts it at his leg and it almost goes in. And that would have been 
forget Sergio Aguero, forget Michael Thomas, forget all that. That would have been one hell of a way to settle a Premier League, um, settle an English title rather. But it's settled by Andy Cole. David Beckham scores an absolutely incredible goal to um, equalise, tie the teams up, and by halftime, it's as you were. Man United 77 points, Arsenal 76. Then, of course, Gary Neville lumps up a ball upfield. Andy Cole scores one of the most exquisite goals to settle the league title race ever. Three touches almost sort of as one. It's really quite bizarre. One to drag it down, one to knock it a bit forward, and then one to lob it over Ian Walker. It's quite phenomenal the way he does it all in one fluid movement. Always try to replicate down that, that down the park, but it never, never obviously come off. And Canu um, scores, and by that point, it doesn't really matter. Man United 79 points, Arsenal 78. Step one of the treble. Would they complete it? Well, we'll find out after this short break when we look at all the achievements of the 20 clubs after this short break. Welcome back. The year, of course, here is 1999. The year, of course, as I'm speaking this, maybe as you're hearing it as well, likely, 2022. We've had such huge achievements like Jose Mourinho breaking the defensive record in 2005. We've had Arsenal going invincible. We've had doubles, trebles, domestic trebles um, from Manchester City. We've had the 100 points barrier broken. We've had 300 points almost over three seasons from two different clubs at the same time. We've had huge points tallies from the likes of Antonio Conte. We've had Leicester City, 5,000 to 1, win it. We've had teams win three titles in a row, Man United and Man United. (laughs) This is the beginning of this in 1999. In terms of achievements, in terms of points tallies, I am not one for thinking that points tallies particularly matter. And in the end, it's uh, an argument that nobody can win because certain people will say that certain managers wouldn't be able to do it in certain areas. For example, Pep Guardiola wouldn't be able to get 100 points in a season that is as competitive as this one. Some people might say that Sir Alex Ferguson won't be able to get 100 points in an era with Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. These are all valid arguments. These are arguments that can't be proven. So they're pointless, really. (laughs) They're just fantasy experiments. In terms of a greatest achievement in the Premier League, and maybe I've said this before, but for me, it's the first one, the top one, the highest one possible is the quadruple, which has never been done. I'm speaking to you from a month prior. So if Liverpool have already won the quadruple, sorry. If they have, then that is the highest achievement possible in English football. Only Celtic have been able to do it in European football. So that goes to show how hard it is. Obviously, League Cups are a bit sparse, but that's by the by. Manchester United treble is the greatest achievement in English football for me because 79 points. Okay, 79 points. Look at the points it took Southampton to stay safe, 41. When was the last time 41 points was needed to stay safe in the Premier League? We're looking at potentially, I think it was 2011. When Blackpool got relegated with 39, is it anywhere close to what we've had recently? So, and in that year, I think Man United won the league with 80 points, one one off. So you have, in 2022, a less competitive league, top to bottom. 
it usually gets you about 35 points to stay safe, stay safe now. So therefore, the points tally is at the top. And with more teams at the top, it's going to be higher. Obviously, Arsenal didn't qualify for a for a Champions League with close to a points tally here that they got to take the Premier League title down to the final day of the season. Of course, there are exceptions. Leicester didn't gain that many points. Obviously, the following season, Conte got 90 plus and then obviously Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, etc. There's very little teams outside of... Manchester City, who have won a double and then a domestic treble, who can pair off a league with something else. There's very, very little teams in the history of English football that can pair off a Champions League and a league. Liverpool did it in the 80s. Manchester United have done it in 1999 and 2008. Very little teams who can do that. Potentially Man City and Liverpool could do it this season. Again, I'm speaking to you a month in advance, so I don't know yet. It could well be... Villarreal versus Real Madrid in the final, I don't know. But if they could, a laudable achievement. The Invincibles, very, very good achievement. Take that. I don't see any point in trying to dispute their points tallies and Manchester City's 100 points. It's pointless. Invincible Invincibility is a fantastic achievement. I just don't think it's as good as a treble achievement because their season fell apart ostensibly. In the Champions League to Chelsea, in the FA Cup to Manchester United off the space of four days, and then the league was already wrapped up. It is an achievement, yes, but it's not. I don't think it's in the top three achievements in the Premier League's history, in my opinion. A greater achievement for me would be Chelsea the year after getting to the semi-finals of the Premier League of the Champions League and losing just one game and doing it with a better defensive record than Arsenal have ever done, or that any team has ever done. And then you've got 100 points for Manchester City, which, having said points don't matter, 100 points still is a ridiculous achievement. It's a ridiculous achievement. Would he have got, would Guardiola transplant a 20 years older? Would he have done that in 1999? Probably not. Probably not. But you can't, you know, you can't, you can't prove not, you can't prove it. He would have. Jurgen Klopp, of course, the. Points tallies of Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola are minuscule to the point where is the achievement of that as good? Of course, Jurgen Klopp hasn't won a domestic treble. Yet, as I'm speaking, he might have done. <laughs> might have done in the interim. So we've got those that achievement. You've got Invincibles. You've got Leicester for the shock of it. You've got Chelsea in 2005. You've got Manchester United in 2008 as well. But for all the achievements, there's not been a... Treble, I say the treble as well, because the treble is Premier League, primary domestic cup, primary continental cup. It's not a Liverpool treble in 2001, although that is very, very good. Very good, it's a treble, just like Man City's, although it was a domestic treble, which has never, ever been done in England. It's a treble, it's not the treble. The Champions League is a crucial component to it. And people may say the Champions League's got more... More difficult to win since it became the Champions League from the European Cup. It's also got less jeopardy. So depends on how you weight those two qualities, I suppose. But for me, 79 points or not, doesn't matter. United's treble winning achievement, obviously may say I'm biased. Don't care. <laughs> you also may say nostalgia. Again, yeah, probably. It's my first season ever watching club football. And I'm a Man United fan. It's perfect, really. Probably why I'm doing this podcast right now. But 
it is the greatest achievement of an English team ever. Maybe in the next week, two weeks. Don't know. Liverpool have only got one trophy as I speak to you right now. By the end, by the time you listen to this, they may have won four. And that would be the greatest achievement in Premier League history, without a shadow of a doubt. In terms of rivalries, a lot of talk here in April about Manchester City-Liverpool being the greatest rivalry ever in English football. We'll leave that story for another day. Maybe we'll do an entire podcast on it. But for me, greatest achievement in Premier League history. And even then, the fine lines of success. Arsenal a point back. Two goals back. I mean, yeah, the fine lines, losing to Leeds, you nullify any of this greatest achievement in English football history by beating Leeds because you end up with 81 points and you win the Premier League back-to-back, which still is a ridiculously hard thing to do. Think of all the incredibly good managers that haven't been able to do it. There's only been three managers that have done it, Guardiola, Alex Ferguson and Jose Mourinho. Nearly forgot his name then. Those are the three managers who've been able to do it in the Premier League era, must stress. Arsene Wenger never been able to do it. Jurgen Klopp, as of yet, hasn't been able to do it. Likely, probably won't, but we'll see. We'll see uh, how the Premier League title race unfolds. There's still seven games in my universe here in April. Anyway, Chelsea, as we stated, third wheeling on the title race, only four points back in the end. So if you think about the three draws they had in one month, turned two of those into wins, they're in the title race at the final days. Not often discussed, but... An incredible season for a team who, 12 points ahead of Leeds, 22 points ahead of West Ham in fifth. Just goes to show that Aston Villa in sixth, an incredible drop-off. Aston Villa had 39 points at the halfway mark of the season. They gained 14 in the second half of the season. Incredibly bad showing from Villa, who really goes to show the the UEFA Cup, even in the late 90s and its knockout knockout round guys, is still a difficult thing to juggle for a team like Aston Villa, who, yes, they signed some huge, huge names, Paul Merce and Dion Dublin, but to stretch that over the UEFA Cup and domestic cup competitions, which goes to show why the treble, or even a treble, is a such a good achievement. <laughs> it should go without saying, but uh, there we are. So West Ham snuck under the radar here. We're not really spoken about them, but fifth place, they beat out the likes of Liverpool in 54 points in seventh, Derby in 52 points, eighth, eighth place by Derby. It's an incredible, incredible return. And Middlesbrough in ninth, not really mentioned them at all, but that goes with the territory when you finish around these sorts of places. Um, Leicester slightly plateaued in 10th with 49 points, but still an incredible return when you think of the teams below them. Tottenham, Sheffield Wednesday, who Sheffield Wednesday had, were probably in those Derby, Middlesbrough, Leicester places in the 90s, maybe even up as high as West Ham as they were between the First Division and the Premier League forming. Newcastle United. Now, Newcastle, through losing to Manchester United in the FA Cup, go through to the UEFA Cup. Spurs, obviously, get through to the UEFA Cup as League Cup winners. And marking up the uh, the rest of the division, you've got Everton, who they pulled up safe fairly soon, um, not as bad as 1998. Still not good enough really for a club of Everton's stature. They should be as in fifth or sixth as we as we see the, the uh, Premier League table here. And then obviously, as we mentioned earlier, the the bottom six, we've got Coventry in 15th from 42. Same old really from Coventry, but did pull the nose up um, safe enough. Um, Wimbledon, they probably were on for a, for a overachieving middle-of-the-road mid-table season until Joe Kinnear's illness, at which point they took 
two points and they had 40 points by the by March and that's usually enough to sort of warrant about ninth, tenth and obviously the sharp drop off might infer um, a bit of a disastrous season the following season but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we come to it um, in a few months and um, Southampton 17th same same old really but again they never know when they're down Southampton especially around this time and it does it does mark a five point difference to Charlton 36 points but the, the gap is is much closer it's really it rolls on the it spins on the final day really that one and Blackburn four, four seasons since winning the Premier League 35 points are down probably will come straight back up again we'll find out soon enough and Nottingham Forest this is the last time well again Again, I'm in April, so I don't know if they're coming up this year under Steve Cooper, but this is their last season as of yet in the top flight. And this is six years removed from their first season in the Premier League where they got relegated under Brian Clough, his final time as a manager, and obviously 19 years removed from the second of consecutive European Cups. So quite the fall from grace from Nottingham Forest and Blackburn. And let's not forget with Forest, they were in the UEFA Cup in the mid-90s under Frank Clark, former manager, of, former player, of course, and um, quite the drop-off from a, from a number of teams. Charlton, we'll see if they can come back soon enough, but we won't have any more Barkers until the other side of the, uh, of the summer break, and I will tell you all about that next time. But until then, thank you very much for listening, for supporting the channel, and have a good summer if you don't hear from me until then, and see the... Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.